0: At home, we of course read different books during our family devotion time. We go from one to the next and uh, often add uh, a a good book on character or on mission, the missionary uh, and the mission life, or uh, just different things that uh, are are beneficial uh, to learn and glean from and be challenged spiritually. Anyways, we just started reading, I'm not sure how long we'll keep reading, uh, in our devotion time anyway, a book uh, about uh, General uh, Patton. And General Patton, the author says, was very well known for having a quick wit and was very gifted in his ability to succinctly say things in such a way that caused his hearer to listen, uh, that caused his hearer to ponder what he was saying. He had many little things that he would say and... Uh, Every chapter of this book is titled one of his sayings, but uh, some of them are an inactive mind cannot exist in an inactive body. Uh, To gain strength, go beyond exhaustion. No one is thinking if everyone is thinking alike. Too much if-in, perhaps-in, or maybe-in is never going to win a battle. (laughs) So, some of the things, and and there's many things that he was known for. Well, I was reading in my devotions uh, many months ago, and a a phrase jumped out at me. And uh, I thought, you know, that would be a good study. And I did a short little bit of uh, work on it, put down my seed thoughts, and threw it into a folder. And uh, so, for the next few weeks, we're going to look at this. If you would look at uh, where we're beginning this thought in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse number 21. We're going to read just verse 21 and 22. Our text goes down through verse number 26. But I want you to see what he says here in uh, Matthew 5, verse number 21. He says, But you've heard it, that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. And whoever, whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, That whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of counsel, but whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. The phrase that jumped out at me was the phrase at the beginning of verse number 22. He says, But I say unto you. But I say unto you. And I thought, I wonder how many places in the word of God there is the contrast given there is the implication that society might say or somebody might say or this is how you might think, but I say unto you, but I say unto you, and I thought, wonder how many places that's found and what things directly we could glean from our Lord and Savior, from the word of God that use this phrase, but I say unto you. So I wonder what the Lord has to say to us. He says here, first of all, this evening, the thought that we're going to consider is, but I say unto you, control your anger. That's what we're going to be dealing with this evening. Control your anger. You know, beloved, Jesus took here in this, the Sermon on the Mount, dealing here uh, with those that were listening to him. He takes the law, He takes that uh, the commandments that had been interpreted and he applies it to them under the understanding of the new life that they're supposed to be having or will have in and through Jesus Christ. He makes a fundamental change from the way that they used to think. For now, he begins to deal with the attitude of the heart, not simply the action of the hand. You see, the Pharisees felt that their righteousness consisted of right actions. And beloved, right actions will proceed out of a right heart. But we must also be very cautious and very careful not to get to the place where we feel that our righteousness is based on the actions of our hands. Because you can do right things and God will look at you and say, but your heart is far from me. I think many times in churches like ours, and listen, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You don't say, well, it, it is entirely the heart that matter. It doesn't matter what you do with your hands. That's not what he's teaching here. What he's teaching is that the attitude of the heart is just as important or even more important. What he's saying is that the sin begins a long time before the action of the hand. It begins in the heart. And he says, so under this new life that we have in Jesus Christ, have you ever heard somebody say that uh, uh, I live by the Sermon on the Mount? The words of Jesus, the words in red. The Old Testament doesn't matter. Wiersbe said, the person who says that I live by the Sermon on the Mount may not realize that the Sermon on the Mount is far more difficult to keep than the commandments ever were. That's the truth of the matter. And beloved, today we're living in a society that has become unhinged. You know it. It is out of control. We just had another mass shooting. And I don't, because of the many articles that I've read in the last 24 hours, I don't remember where it was. Do you guys know where it is? In Maine. Yes, in Maine. Maine. Because it was just down the road from a a pastor friend who uh, some of their church members were directly affected by this uh, uh, thing. So in Maine, another mass shooting. But can I tell you that in 2021, there were 22,941 homicides? You don't hear about that. I mean, you think about how enraged or how up in arms the country was on 9-11 when there was 3,000 and something people killed. And we should be, and I'm not belittling that at all, but I'm saying as far as our country goes, it's like, oh, there was 22,000 people killed by homicide. Oh, well. I mean, people don't even, you don't even realize the magnitude of the problem. 709 of those were committed in Maryland, 337 of them in Baltimore City. 337 homicides in Baltimore City. That's not to mention the 726 non-fatal shootings that took place in Baltimore City in 2021. I'm saying we live in a society that has become unhinged. They've reached a place where they are no longer able to control their anger. It's out of control. Laura Hayes a psychiatrist who is preparing and writing about this connection between mental illness or what they say is a connection between mental illness and these mass shootings. She said, the fact of the matter is, is there's a far less of a connection between mental illness and between the inability to control one's anger. She said she was directly dealing with an elderly patient that was known as an open-door patient. She was dealing with this patient who uh, would really suffer from schizophrenia. She would hear frightening voices in her head. She would become very psychotic would be hospitalized, stabilized, put on medication, medication, released back into the community, and soon after going off of her medication, become psychotic again, be re-hospitalized, stabilized, and again the process would be... She was a revolving door uh, patient, somebody they recognized. Well, she was standing before a judge because she stabbed to death the individual in front of her in the checkout line. The judge, being aware of her situation, knowing who she was, was sensitive to her needs. And she asked, the judge asked, are you, she said, did you hear voices at the time of the incident? She replied, yes, the judge says, and what were the voices telling you? She said. The voices were telling me not to hurt the man. But he got in the express lane with ten with with more than ten items. And that made me so mad I couldn't control myself. It had nothing to do with the fact that she was a schizophrenic, it had nothing to do with the fact that she was suffering some mental illness. It was that she was unable to control her anger. In her mind, her mind and her conscience and the the moral uh, law of God that's written on the heart of man was screaming in her ear, do not do it. And she stood before the judge and said, honestly, my voices said, don't do it. But I was so mad because he got in the lane with more than 10 items that she stabbed a guy to death. It's a crazy unhinged society we live in and I know that you know these things and I'm using this as an illustration but beloved I want you to understand that it's not just out in the world that it's also in the church. We have dads that are uncon- have uncontrollable anger and they are hurting their family. Moms who have uncontrollable anger and they're hurting their loved ones. We've got parents who have yet to teach their children how to control themselves, and they are hurting their families. This is something that, as I read article after article about society, even modern psychologists uh, went on to say that the the problem is the inability to control their anger, and I'm going to share other things with you tonight, Uh, but they understand that that's the problem. And yet, child psychologists would say, oh, if a child wants to scream, let him scream. If he wants to throw things, let him throw things. This is the teaching that they're giving parents today on how to raise children. But what you need to do is teach them how to control that frustration and that anger. Because right now, when the kid wants to throw his toy and have a temper tantrum, If you don't correct that in a two-year-old child, one day he'll take his car and run over somebody because he's mad. Because he never learned to control his anger. And Christians, we need to get our anger under control. First of all, this evening, I want you to see the danger of uncontrolled anger, the danger of anger. He says there, But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. There, first of all, let me just say, he says here, you've heard it said. You've heard it said. You know what? There's a lot of people that have a lot to say. There's a lot of people in the world that have opinions about how things should be done. Most don't have any problem giving you their, a piece of their mind, sharing what they think about a matter I just want to say the opinion that really matters is the Lord Jesus Christ and the word of God. And we need to live our lives listening to and responding to what God says about it. And God said, but I say unto you, control your anger. Anger is a basic human emotion. The feeling of being upset with someone or something. It's defined as a, Strong feeling of displeasure brought on by a real or imagined wrong. It doesn't even have to be a real wrong. It's what we think in our heart, a real or imagined wrong. And it provokes or brings up that emotion that is a basic human emotion of anger. But beloved unchecked anger will remove the ability to think logically it will distort the truth and ends up hurting all that it touches. In the 18th century, there was a British physician. His name was John Hunter. He was a pioneer in the field of surgery and served as a surgeon to King George III. King George III suffered from congestive heart failure. But he discovered that his attacks were often brought on by his own anger. He lamented, and I quote, he said, my life is at the mercy of any scoundrel who chooses to put me in a passion. He was suffering from congestive health failure, and he knew that that was brought on or aggravated by when he got upset. And he said, Pretty much anybody that wants to kill me, all they got to do is make me mad. He understood it, he knew it. Unchecked anger ends up hurting all the people that are around it that are impacted by it, but it also hurts the individual that's carrying it. First of all, the danger of unchecked anger is that you are in danger of acting like a fool. Proverbs 14, 17, and I'm going to give you a lot of stuff. I wanted to put some of this in print for you tonight because I'm going to give you a lot of Bible and a lot of truths here, and Lord will and I'll get through this, but uh, Proverbs 14, 17 says, He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. Ecclesiastes 7, 9 says, Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. You see, what happens when you get angry, you do things that are foolish. Things you wouldn't normally do, and you've heard them say it, just like the lady in the illustration that I gave you initially. Uh, She said, I just was so mad I couldn't control myself. All logical thought went out the window. The ability to reason and to do what would be right or wrong was gone, and she was functioning only in anger. We are all together too quick to get angry today. According to CNN, that stalwart of news, <laughs> there, there has been a 500% increase in the reported cases of road rage in the last 10 years. It's amazing you see it all over the place. And it is mind-boggling that people get so mad they will destroy their $50,000 car because somebody turned in front of them. Because somebody got over without using a blinker or cut them off a little bit. It's almost like, you almost caused me to get into a wreck, so now I'm just going to wreck, wreck my car anyway. I mean, all logical thought goes out the window. In 2022, someone was shot and killed in a road rage incident every 16 hours. Every 16 hours, according to Evertown Research Group. It's uncontrollable anger. 82% of drivers in the US admit to having road rage or driving aggressively at least once in the last year. It's an epidemic that is permeating our society, and it's infiltrated the church. This is something that we as God's people need to realize how important it is and get to the place where we learn how to function being in control of our spirit. Amen. Five minutes of uncontrolled anger can destroy five years of building a relationship just that quick. You see, beloved, it's sin, not an IED. This is going to make you laugh. This is literally an actual diagnosis according to modern health book. The IED is called Intermittent Explosive Disorder. You have an Intermittent Explosive Disorder. It's sin. You can't control yourself And we need to understand it for what it is, recognize it, and through this lesson tonight, but through the Word of God and the power of God, you can get it under control. Just like any other sin. It's not just, oh, this is who I am, this is what I am, and people around me need to learn to live with it or adjust. No, Christian, we need to ask God with His strength and power to change that area in which we are failing to be or live up to what He says. It doesn't matter right now how spiritual you act. If you're given to uncontrolled anger, you're acting foolishly. James 1, verse number 20 says, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. We can't excuse it away. We can't say, well, I was justified or I was gonna do it. I I was trying to accomplish something. I was trying to get a point across. Well, everybody knows that but the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Angry parents produce angry children. So first of all, the first danger we see is that we're in danger of acting like a fool, according to Proverbs 7, 14, 17 and Ecclesiastes 7, 9. But we also, we see right here in our text that we're in danger of the judgment. Many times, our anger provoked by perceived Injustice, whatever it might be, maybe it may be a real injustice. But beloved, God is the righteous judge. And He will take care of it. He says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. We need to learn to stay in our lane and let God take care of those things. Even if we were mistreated, even if we were abused, even if we were uh, treated in some way less than respectable. Romans 12, verse number 19 says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. Just want to explain, you guys probably know this, but the word raka here, in danger, that he says it means empty. It means worthless. Ah. Uh, Somebody said, uh, you could say an empty head. But he's saying if you call somebody that or refer to somebody that they're worth, you're in danger of the council. So a council is an assembly of magistrates convened for a particular purpose. Strong's likens it to the Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin council that would come up to pass judgment. He says, listen, if you do this, you're in danger of a counsel being drawn, of of others coming and and saying, listen, this is not how you're supposed to live. But he goes on and he says, if you call a man a fool, which he says you're in danger of hell fire, this is the place of future punishment. Ultimately, the judge of the whole universe will judge us. We're putting ourselves in a place where God's going to judge us. He will, and we will give an account for how we act. So, we see the danger of anger. I want you to see, secondly here, the direction of anger. The direction of anger. The fact of the matter is, is bad and uncontrolled anger is is ungodly. It's sinful. But you and I know that in the Bible, oftentimes, we see God angry. And so we look at it and say, okay, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. If if anger is sin, and we know that God, or Jesus Christ, who was God in the flesh, was angry, or God says often that his wrath was kindled, in Psalm 75, verse number eight, he says, For they provoked him to anger with their high places, and moved him to jealousy with their graven images. We see times where God the Father was provoked to anger, or times when Jesus Christ was angry. We know, of course, there is in the word of God the admonition to be angry and sin not. So is that a contradiction of terms or is there in fact some place where anger is justified or where anger can be used? Well, I put to you tonight that it must be directed properly. It's not an uncontrolled anger. It's anger that is directed in a godly way. Let me just say that's very, very hard to do. Because we are sinful people, our motives are often unjust. our understanding of situations are often incomplete. So for us to really be in the place where we can have what we would like to declare every time we're mad is righteous indignation, As we no matter what the problem is, it's righteous indignation, Amen. Yeah. But for us to really be in that place, we might want to consider some thoughts here. For as much as anger is a natural emotion, it also is an emotion given to us by God and can be expressed in a proper manner if it is directed correctly. Some things notable about God's anger, which might give us some warnings about ourselves, first of all, and there's some key thoughts that I wish I had in paper for you. But first of all, God's anger is slow to develop. You see an IED, that that, uh, intermittent explosive disorder, that by its definition means it's not slow to develop. It means somebody cut me off and now I'm going to run them down. It means somebody said something I didn't like or somebody got in the line in front of me or whatever it might be. It's an explosive disorder. It removes the fact that, you know, God is slow to anger. Psalms 103 verse number 8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. The passages of Scripture are plentiful that describe the wrath of God and the anger of God being slow to develop. Aren't you glad tonight that we have a God that is, his anger is slow to develop? that he is merciful, that he's plenteous in mercy, that his anger is not provoked at the first time that I step across the line, that God is gracious and and loving and compassionate to each and every one of us, that his anger is slow to develop. We know that you and I, the Bible tells us in James 1, verse number 19, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to what? Wrath. Wrath. We're to be slow to wrath. If we were like that, that would be God-like. That would be Christ-like. So if we're going to be like the Lord, we need to have anger that's slow to develop. It shouldn't be something that happens at the spur of the moment. Also, God's anger is swift to dissipate. In Micah 7, verse number 18, he says, Who is a God like unto thee that pondereth iniquity and passeth by transgression of the remnant of his heritage he retaineth not anger forever because he delighteth in mercy god doesn't hang on to his anger it is swift to dissipate can i tell you there's some people that are are angry right now because of something that happened to them 25 years ago I mean, if you ask them, why are you so angry all the time? They'll tell you, well, 20 years ago, somebody did this to me. That's not swift to dissipate. They're hanging on to and allowing that bitterness to fester in their heart. They're like a a teapot. Everything that happens to them in their life is being put down into this teapot. And maybe there's a little bit of pride there like, oh, well, I don't just blow up, but they're letting it all fester. They're letting it all kind of churn around and the heat gets turned up and and all of a sudden, it's going to burst. You see, the anger of God is swift to dissipate. We know that we also are admonished to do so in Ephesians 4.26, where he says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun, what is the verse? Go down upon thy wrath. You see, it's supposed to be swift to dissipate. We're going to be like God in how we handle and direct our anger. It's got to be slow to develop and swift to dissipate. And it also must be specifically directed. Romans 1 verse number 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Listen to this verse. Revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. You see, he doesn't say there, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven and against all ungodly men or unrighteous men. He says there, against the ungodliness and the unrighteousness of these men. It is specifically directed against sin. I have given Gus a contrast tonight to put on the screen for you. Again, wishing I had it in paper for you, but a a compare and contrast between the righteous indignation of God and the sinful anger of man. I'm going to go quickly through this, but we see the righteous indignation of God is controlled and with a purpose. Man's sinful anger is uncontrolled and without patience. Righteous indignation is without hatred or malice, but man's sinful anger is with hatred and malice. Righteous indignation is directed at sin. Man's sinful anger is directed at people. Righteous indignation is for correction in love. Man's sinful anger is for destruction and revenge. Righteous indignation is for sinful Reasons against sin. But sinful anger is for selfish reasons. You know, a lot of times we keep our mouth shut. And it doesn't bother us all. At least not enough for us to do anything. When sin is exalted in this world, we almost have come to the place, well, that's the way the world is, and you know, just the way it is. Very rarely today do you see something happen that happened many times when I was growing up. I saw my dad go to somebody and say, Listen, my family is right here, and I don't appreciate the language you're using in front of my children. I'm going to ask you kindly not to use those words. You're cursing my Lord and Savior. Today, it's almost like, well, that's the way it is. I know there are some. I know some in this room. We've had conversations about times that you've done that. So I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm just saying it, it, by and large, we're not offended by and don't speak up when sin is the problem, when God is dishonored. When sin is exalted, but we're quick to react when we're sinned against, or when we feel an injustice has been done to us, where the hair on our neck goes up quick and we're ready to say anything, right? It's for selfish reasons, many times, that our anger is provoked. So we've got to be careful to declare our righteous indignation unless it lines up with these things. Lastly, this evening, let me give you the destruction of our anger. How do we handle this anger? How do we deal with it? How do we get to the place where we get it under control? He says in verse number 23, he says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. I'm gonna give you several things that we need to learn tonight. If we're gonna learn how to control this natural emotion of anger, we were created by God. But when we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we became new creatures in Christ. Recognizing and acknowledging that your anger is sin and knowing that it is wrong. We know that the wrath of man worketh not the repentance of God. We know that uh, according to Galatians chapter five, that wrath is one of the uh, sins of the flesh. So we need to recognize that, confess it and forsake it. We need to live in the renewed mind that Christ has and in through his power. How do we do that? Let me give you several things. First of all, we need to learn to recognize the symptoms. This is just common sense. As I read articles today from a practical standpoint, it's amazing to me the biblical principles that these worldly psychologists are spouting. They don't even know it. They don't even realize what they're saying. If they knew it was biblical, they would run. But the, the, these, these psychologists that I were reading on uh, nationally syndicated papers, these articles that were sent out in Psychology Today and other, other newspapers that I was reading, uh, they literally said, think about the place or the time or the situation that most often makes you mad and avoid that place. That's a biblical principle. <laughs> Make not provision for the flesh. Understand, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walketh about as a lowering lion, seeking whom he may devour. We're not ignorant of his devices. We are to be conscious of the fact and realize we need to recognize the symptoms. What are the situations that cause us to get frustrated, to get irritable, to be impatient, to ignore others? What are the situations that bring those on and try to avoid them? Just from a practical standpoint, try and... Be careful not to get into those situations. Secondly, you need to learn to remove yourself from that situation. If you can recognize the symptom, recognize your irritability, recognize your impatience is building, you're uh, come to the place where you're cutting others off. Learn to remove yourself from those situations. You know, another one of the articles I read talked about (laughs) specifically, they said, okay, I I wish I would have written down what they called it. Um, Oh, they called it mindfulness. They said, be aware of what you're thinking about. Be mindful. They said, you need to have mindfulness. You need to be mindful of what it is you're thinking about. Well, doesn't Philippians 8, Tell us something about that. Philippians 4, 4, 8. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise. You know, what what he's saying is listen, careful what you think about. Don't don't ponder upon those things that are causing you to get angry. Don't think about, be be aware of what it is you're considering. Learn to remove yourself from those. Don't think about something that's going to cause you to get angry. Check your mind. Stop that process and say, I'm not going to think about that. I'm going to think on things that are lovely, that are of good report. If there be any virtue. If there be any praise, think on these things. You say, how do I do that? With the power of God. Because we're new creatures. Because we have a new life in Jesus Christ. Remove yourself from people that are angry. Proverbs 22, verses 24, 25 says, Make no friendship with an angry man. We're not supposed to hang around people that are angry. He says, and with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. According to Laura Hayes, the author of the article that I read in the beginning, she said people with IED tend to come from backgrounds in which they have been exposed to patterns of IDE behavior. Oftentimes from parents or others whose anger is out of control. Very simply, what Proverbs tells you here, if you're going to hang around with people that are angry all the time, you're going to learn how to be angry all the time. So we need to learn to remove ourselves from those situations. And sadly, many children are growing up in homes they can't remove themselves from and they've got parents who are sinning against them with their uncontrolled anger. That's not to say anything about the abuse that usually results from uncontrolled anger. And We're not going to chase that, that rabbit tonight, but if you have the ability to, learn to remove yourself from the situation. Then you need to learn to replace anger with Kindness. This is Ephesians 4 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So that stuff's supposed to be removed. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, all of those are supposed to be removed. And it's supposed to be replaced with something. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You know, brother, uh, mm-hmm. Pastor is here tonight. And uh, he and I have been working on talking about starting a, mi- a ministry to the to the prison. And uh, excited about the possibilities for that. And he's been in contact with the prison already. And uh, the prison asked me to draft a letter of intent uh, and on church letterhead that kind of states what is our, our mission, what is our goal. And as I sat down and started pondering some of the things, this idea here. <laughs> and specifically with anger that the whole aspect of these people are in prison why because they couldn't control themselves. And our goal is to take the word of God and with the power of God help these men change their natural character. Change who they are, how they respond. Where before they used to have uncontrolled anger and now they're in control of themselves. But it's not something that can be done just because we decide we want to strive to do so. Oh, hey, making up your mind to do it is a first step and it's necessary, but it's in and through the power of God and the new life that you have in Jesus Christ. We can do it. Learn to replace your anger with kindness and learn to respond in a controlled way. Proverbs 19, verse number 11. Learn to respond in a controlled way. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger. And it is his glory to pass over a transgression. Just think about that. Next time you're just ready to punch something. Next time you're ready just to kick the wall. The glory of an individual is when they pass over a transgression when you're able to control yourself and not do that, you can say, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for for helping me. Because a few years ago, I would have thrown a ever-loving fit. (laughs) But right, I mean, God can change us. He can help us get this under control. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. Benjamin Franklin said, whatever has begun in anger will end in shame. But you can stop that and turn it into glory if you pass over the transgression, no matter the injustice. When I'm dealing with my kids, they're, they're getting older now, so it's not as much of a uh, direct one-on-one training, but you know, you have to train them, okay? Is the fit that you're throwing a proper response to your brother taking your toy? No, this is uncalled for. There's no reason for that. It is not a right response. Is it okay for you to yell and scream and holler or maybe throw your cup of water on him because he drank out of your cup? I mean, is that a good response because he drank some of your water? No, you lost control of yourself. That's unacceptable. We're not going to have that. You need to train them. According to the American Psychology Association, 50% of drivers respond to careless acts of other drivers with their own aggressive behaviors. They haven't learned how to pass over a transgression. They can't just let it go. If you find that in your heart where you're not letting it go, you need to ask the Lord to help you. His glory is when he can pass over, when he can forgive. That's what the Father did for us. He forgave us. In our text here, we see that we need to learn to reconcile. In verse number 24, he says, Hey, leave thy gift there before the altar. Go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother. And then come and offer thy gift. You know, sometimes if somebody treats you unjustly or something happens, learn how to... We need to be in the ministry of reconciliation. It needs to be part of... we we, we got to stop writing people off. we got to stop just cutting people off. we got to stop saying, well, that's you know, who they are, they did this, so, so I'm done with them. No, the Lord says to be reconciled to them. Do anything you can... To reconcile them. You see, beloved, if this relationship is not right, this relationship's not right. And there's a lot of Christians that are fooling themselves to think that this relationship is in great shape and there's nothing between me and God when they got a whole bunch of anger and animosity and problems with other people, other brothers. He said it here specifically the relationship of brother is mentioned whether that is a physical or a spiritual brother. But he says, hey, if there's something there, don't even bother finishing to give your gift. Get up, go be reconciled to thy brother, then come back and let's meet when you know that that is right. We know that we're supposed to be forbearing one another, forgiving one another. Even as Christ forgave you. This next one is really hard. Look at verse number 25 in our text. You're not going to believe the Lord put this in the Word of God. He said, agree with thine adversary quickly. Wow. Agree? Wait a minute. He's my enemy. He's my, I'm not supposed to agree with thy adversary? Well, thou art in the way with him. Lest at any time thy adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver it to the officer, and thou be cast into the prison. Verily I say unto you. He's saying the results of ultimately living as a disagreeable person. We need to learn how to remain with our enemy. He says, Agree with thine adversary. You see, beloved, we, I've taught on this before, but we are to live peaceably with all men. The fact of the matter is, is there are some people who just enjoy being disagreeable. Yes, yes. And that's not who we are to be as Christians. As Christians, we are to be agreeable. It doesn't mean we throw all of our, our Bible-based uh, beliefs about Jesus Christ and what is right out the window. But it means that we learn how to live peaceably with all men. That we follow the example of Jesus Christ. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. It's pretty strong here. He says, agree with thy adversary. Most of us would do anything else with the adversary, but we aren't going to agree with him. Bless God, I'm right, and, and I'm this, or whatever it might be. Sinful anger has to be Stopped. Note here that it's supposed to happen quickly. He says there quickly. While thou art in the way. Do it now. Don't hold it over their head for a year and then go talk to them about it. Don't hold on to it in your heart for a long time. Do it quickly. Instead of thinking I'm justified for blowing up or thinking that we're spiritual because we don't blow up and we just bottle it up like a teapot, We shove it all down to a place where nobody sees. How about letting God change us from the inside out? Let God change us. Because we are to be new creatures in and through the power of Jesus Christ. How about we be like Christ who said, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not You see, the times that Christ was angry, it wasn't because it was something against Him. It was against the Father, or it was sin. When He was personally attacked, when He was personally reviled, when He was personally accused, the Bible says He answered not a word. No, He didn't stand up in righteous indignation at that place but committeth himself to him that judges righteously. If somebody's mistreated you, just give it to God. God knows, and you let it go. Be reconciled. This thing of uncontrolled anger is hurting our churches. It's hurting the cause of Christ certain families and relationships and there's something that as Christians we should be getting under control yeah. maybe you're here tonight and you don't have a you're at a place in your life and God's given you victory over this and praise the Lord but it's something that I know is needed and I would encourage you to maybe pass along the message yeah. because there's families that are in trouble because mom or dad or both of them can't control their anger. They're destroying the thing that they love most in this world with their own anger. And with God's help, they can overcome it. Would you stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed?